You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you guys tired? Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Um, tonight, um, it's, it's an interesting night for me. This is nine years of Elevation Church and um, huge honor it is for me to have been part of <laughs> most of that nine years, I think. I was part of the launch team and every time we have cause to celebrate our anniversary, we're going to do a bit more dancing and singing on Sunday. But every time we have a cause to do it, um, the one thing I say to people is that if the production people shine this light brighter, they might blind me. <laughs> but the one thing I say to people is, look, you you sometimes never know what God can do with your life. Right? So this is starting from, you know, literally my pastor saying, God has laid this in my heart. And I don't know what God has put in your heart. All right. Now, let me ask the person next to you, what has God put in your heart? What has, what has God put in your heart? Uh, yeah. You, you will be surprised at what he would do over. And you don't need to tell us. It's okay. Don't explain to us. It's all right. But you'll be surprised at what God will do in five years. You'll be surprised at what he will do in ten years. Um, I, we could tell you stories. Um, and there are stories that will be told. I think on Sunday I was telling a couple of the stories. You know, but, uh, so we've got the Elevation Church, the Island Church. Um, we've got the Mainland Church. We've got Life Point. We've got Greater Lekki. We've got Ikorudu. We've got Canada. Let's see how London goes. Uh, I'm putting my team together. <laughs> I'm praying. Huh? No, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. I already have I have band members. They have choir there. <laughs> but follow me, you can come with me. You've been, you've been, <laughs> you've been nice. Alright, but but really I just want to encourage someone. Twenty years is too much for God. I don't know what he's put in your heart, but, but this is more than just numbers. It's actually about just the change that God has brought to lives of people. All right, praise God. Where's our pastor? Where's BWS? BWS, could you please join the service? Go, come, please come forward. I want to see your face when I'm preaching. All right, so we started this whole conversation about a brief history of the church on Sunday. If you were not here, uh, the message is on SoundCloud. Um, and we said that on the... Wednesdays, the midweek service, we'll just travel, okay? Um, and, 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 and God gives us an interesting opportunity to travel. You know how sometimes on social media you feel like you've been to a place before? Yeah, you, you know the place. You can recognize the street posts and everything. But you've really not been there physically, you know. But when they say, oh, in New York we do this, you're like, yeah, we, that's how we do in New York. But you've not been there physically. But then... God leaves us with the ability to travel. And, and I think on Sunday, I was saying how that there's so much history left for the church that you, you should never really feel like you're doing this for the first time. The Bible says, seeing that we have such a great cloud of witnesses, it says, let us therefore run. All right. There's a huge number of people. So, in the book of Revelations, that book at the end of your Bible that we typically don't read. In the book of Revelations, God speaks to, he sends a couple of letters. I don't know how, 
you know, how many of us like letters? Well, nobody really likes, writes letters anymore. Um, but the one you can relate to is those long text messages. I, for me, when I get long messages, I, I tend to feel that like there's trouble. You know, you know, if you, okay, well, <laughs> if my wife sends me a message that's long, I've done something wrong. There's no, it's typically, typically. And then if it's the one that I wake up in the morning and I see it, I just close it first. You know how it is when your girlfriend or your boyfriend sends you a long message or so something they wrote when you were sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, it really is good. It starts with, I just want to thank you for everything. <laughs> you know, you are such a nice person and I have no doubt <laughs> that you now start seeing quotes on Friday the 13th of June. <laughs> you said this, but but God leaves us with letters that allow us to travel. And so for the first one tonight, we would go to a place called Ephesus. If God could write a letter to our local church, what would he say? If he could write a letter to you, what will the opening lines of the letter be? On Sunday, I said how that I think that sometimes Christians are genuinely afraid to hear from God. Because the Bible says he's the one with whom we have to do before whom all things are made manifest. So he knows everything about you. Everything. He knows where you were yesterday and the day before and where you want to be tomorrow. But, you know, he, so he writes to the church in Ephesus and I, and I, I was praying about this that, look, as we go through the seven letters over seven Wednesdays, that before we finish, you will have, I will have, very clear from God what God thinks about us. This is not what somebody said God says about me. This is me hearing for myself. Right. I tell somebody next to you, God is going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you. Yeah, he's going to speak to you. Yeah. I'm going to call your name and your middle name. Everything. Um, the church in Ephesus. Now, again, good background to lay is that there are seven letters to seven churches. Some theologians say that these were churches that actually existed at the time when these letters were written. Okay. Um, some say, well, these letters are representative of different dispensations of the church. Um, I, I, I don't think there's value in trying to argue which it is. But when I started preparing for this a couple of months ago, the sense that I got was that whether or not these were actual churches in the time or a dispensation of the church at different times, so the church was moving from church one to church two, I said, whatever it is, but that there was communication that was useful for today's Christians in it. And, and so, Ephesus, I think the first time we hear of this is Paul in Acts chapter 18 He's on a missionary journey. Um, he's traveling with um, a couple, Aquila and Priscilla, who were in Corinth. And in Acts chapter 18, the Bible says that they stop there. They preach in the synagogues a bit, but Paul goes onward. So he doesn't really stay on that first missionary journey. But when you read towards the end of Acts chapter 18, it speaks about a guy called Apollos who the Bible says is very eloquent and begins to teach. But the Bible says he doesn't really know the whole gospel. So he teaches what he knows. And scripture says that Aquila and Priscilla come back 
hear what he's preaching and say, oh no, this is, and they take him aside. And they take him to Corinth. And so the church in Ephesus um, starts with almost an incomplete gospel. But it's, you know, they've, they've so in Acts chapter 19, and, and it's useful to read the book of Acts throughout this month. When Paul comes back there on the second missionary journey, he says to them, have you guys ever heard of the Holy Spirit? And they say, oh my goodness, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. That's the church in Ephesus. And then, you know, Paul lays hands on them in Acts chapter 19. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. They begin to speak in tongues. They begin to prophesy. And then Paul stays there for two years, right? Um, going, it's very intellectual, Ephesus was. Paul stays there for two years, teaching, arguing. And, and just to help you, Ephesus is not very far. Historians tell us that Ephesus, as a physical structure, was actually somewhere in Turkey. And how many hours by air is that? You don't always fly British Airways. I know you sometimes use Turkish Airways. So how many hours did it take you? You said I shouldn't call your name my messages again. I'm looking at you. So just, <laughs> so just tell me. How, it's about four, how, four hours? Five-ish? So it's not very far from here. <laughs> so as I was preparing for this, I began to realize that sometimes we thought that all these things happening were very far away. They weren't far away. Five hours by air. If Paul decided to get on a plane, there were no planes then, but just follow my example, he would be here in five hours in Lagos. Yep. And, and, and it's a big city. They have this. So the seven wonders of the ancient world, one of them is in Ephesus. It's called the Temple of Artemis, I think. It's a huge structure. So it's a big civilized place. When you read Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19, they have a huge legal structure. They, they have proper law and order. They have magistrates. They have a way of doing things. In fact, some historians say they have a theater that could seat 25,000 people. We don't have that in Benin. We don't have that in Ibadan. But it's a big place. So, so Paul comes back the second time through there. And, you know, he stays there for two years. And he's teaching. He's preaching. He's building a church. And just follow me because I want us to have context when we read Revelations chapter 2. And then Paul heads out. And I think he doesn't come back there again. But when you read Acts chapter 20 on his way back to Jerusalem, he says, will the elders of the church in Ephesus come have a meeting with me? So when you read Acts chapter 20, like in the middle, he starts to have a conversation with them. He says, I won't see you anymore, but beware. Some people will come and they will do this and they will do that. Acts chapter 20 and 32 is a scripture we learned when I was in school. It says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. So that is the whole, you know, that is Acts or the church in Ephesus in the book of Acts. And then if you skip forward, Paul um, a couple of years later, um, some historians say this is about um, 60 or 64 years after Jesus dies, Paul writes a whole letter to the church in Ephesus. We all know what that book is called, right? Ephesians, right? Ephesians 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And I think easily my favorite uh, book in the New Testament. He writes it while he's in prison in Rome. And so the church in Ephesus is a big deal. It wasn't a small church. It was a, it was a, 
It was like the core of Asia. And so tonight when we read Revelations chapter 2, interestingly, they're the first church that, you know, that God sends a letter to. I want us to have this in mind. So let's read together from Revelations chapter 2. And I'll read in your hearing from verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus writes, This thing says he that holds the seven stars in his right hands, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Verse 2, he says, um, come on guys, verse 2, thank you. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. Verse 3, it says, um, But you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember therefore from, when, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Verse 6, it says, But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And verse 7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. God bless the reading of his word. Oh yeah, so that's it. The reports are in. And as we read through, you know, think about how the church will have received it. And as we read through and talk about it tonight, my prayer is that God will speak to you. For someone, it will be so loud and clear, you would hear him talking, you would just start typing. It would be a whole note. Remember what we said on Sunday? We said that prophecy is an expression of God's love towards us. And, I, and I'm so persuaded. I'm persuaded that Christians should be walking on the clouds of prophecy that then prompt us to pray. There are too many Christians who do not have what to pray about because we, we, the, when we pray, we are praying almost like survival prayers. Yeah. Lord, let there be no traffic. Lord, let my boss come late. Lord, let that girl like me. But it's, it's, God is like, my goodness, this is not even, <laughs> you don't need me for all this. But there is a way that prophecy bets prayer. And so I'm praying that as we look at this conversation that God has with the church in Ephesus, that you would find, you would hear things from God. The Bible says Paul is traveling with people when he has an encounter with God, he's the only one who is able to hear certain things. It says, I know your works, your labor, your patience. One of the things that just struck me on the head as I studied all this was, I realized that this is a church after grace has come. One of the things that has happened is we have talked about grace in the church today is that we have quoted out of Ephesians, interesting, chapter 2, um, from verse 8 to 10. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. You know, and we say in verse 9, it says, uh, 
not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I think verse 10 says, For you are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, recreated unto good works, which God has prepared beforehand that would work in. So we say, not of works, no works. No, no works. But it's amazing that when you read through Revelation chapter 2, and three, in fact, when you read through a big number of the letters, the same phrase is repeated. I know your works. And it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. Tell me, tell the person next to you, tell him, God knows your works, man. God knows your works. He knows your works. Your Saturday night work, <laughs> Sunday morning work. Uh, he knows all of them. It's amusing how sometimes you just, you, huh, I shouldn't even divert. Let me just stay in the one that I know. Because I still say how sometimes we tend to live lives, we live a double life. So sometimes we are good until Sunday morning, just in case the pastor is prophetic. And once we come out, say, ah, <laughs> you made it. Then you, then you divert lane. Then Wednesday you come back. But here, I wrote it in my notes, that God knows. He's saying to Christians who have received grace, I know your labor. Labor. He's talking to the, this church and he's saying, I know your labor. I know your investment beyond convenience. I know your exercise beyond comfort. <laughs> so, thank you, Josh. Did I say something that touched your spirit? <laughs> okay, we'll just have to watch Josh. <laughs> but, but so he says that the, the church in Ephesus is one that is laboring. The church in Ephesus is one that is exercising stuff that is uncomfortable, that is going beyond their comfort zone. <laughs> As I prepared for this, I, I put a note there that a church can actually be lazy. A whole church, a Christian can be lazy. Anyone who tells you that the Christian faith is a walk in the park, they lie to you. I assure you, it's not a walk in the park. Just reading through the book of Acts, you realize that, my goodness, it is full of drama. So if you want a drama-free life, woof, this might not be the number. The Christian walk is full of trust. If you like drama, like BWS, this is it. Right? Yep. Yeah, this is it. I know your labor. So I was like, God, do you know my labor? <laughs> but you know, not all labor is work. Because it says, I know your work. And work is the creation of results. It's when you take labor and you're creating purpose. In fact, no wonder Paul says when he is talking to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, he says, For by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. He says, But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So that the grace of God that we receive 
is what saves us. Ephesians chapter 2 and 8 and 9 make that clear. That grace that we receive enables us to labor, enables us to work. Jesus says, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is there. Help me ask the person next to you, are you laboring at all? Or are you just doing fine boy in church? Let me ask them. Uh, are, you just, are, you, are you laboring at all? Because you, it's, I mean, I know you come to church with your, with your you know, waistcoat and your tie all looking nice, your beard all trimmed, but, but where is your labor? <laughs> where is your labor? Uh, where is your labor? I know you say me, I'm an introvert. I don't really like to, you know, I just want to come. It's, this salvation is a personal thing. But where is your labor? You know how, you know God, is, Jesus is very direct. If it's me, when I'm talking to a church, I probably will make small talk first. No. Just go straight. I know what you've been doing. <laughs> you know. I probably would have said, how are you? Been a while? No, no, it just says, I know your work. <laughs> and so I've been asking myself, what will God say about life point? <laughs> would he say, I know your labor? What would he say about me? He's been doing PI around, Abby. <laughs> what is the church supposed to do? A couple of years ago, I read a book by Rick Warren speaks about the purpose-driven church. And he begins to speak out of scripture about the things that God creates the church to do. So when you read Ephesians chapter 4, we talk about uh, a ministry gives that I give into the body says to perfect the sense maturity says for works of ministry he will talk about the great commission the fact that there are people who still do not know God there are people who think they know God say they know God but really do not know God there are people who there are places where the gospel has not been preached in fact like the Ephesian church there are places where they've only heard one part. When Paul shows up there, did you hear about the Holy Spirit? He said, the Holy Spirit, we didn't even hear, know there's a Holy Spirit. Because Apollos has come to Ephesus, he's only preached what he knew. And so there are places around our country that have no clue about the complete gospel yet. There's the work of worship. There's the work of creating Jesus-honoring moments in worship. He says, I know your labor. He says, I know your work. And so for me, it's, it's like, my goodness, it seems like one of the very first things that Jesus notices about the church is what the church is involved in. What is the church doing with grace? Grace is not for arguments. Uh, uh, great is not for tweets. Mm -mm. It's not, because I think we, we use our theology to argue. It's not for making pretty posts on Instagram and ringing your friends to like them. I'm coming where you are. Wait. <laughs> but that there is actual work that the church is meant to be doing. Now the church can be idle. A church can be idle. And so, the <laughs> let me move on. He says, I know your labor. I know your works. He says, and I know your patience. I was like, oh my goodness. So what do you mean, God, when you say you know their patience? And he began to just remind me that not everything 
that he's asked us to do, spoken to us about, will happen in one day. Remember on Sunday, we're talking about prophecy. How that you must come to the place where you are expecting in God things that are more than one year. For some of us, our expectation in God stops on our wedding day. It's like rapture to us. That is the whole expectation of your soul. The earnest expectation of your soul is your wedding day. You cannot see anything more than that. Maybe your first child, but that's it. Once that happens, God can take you home. You've shamed everybody in the choir that said you will not marry. <laughs> you, you're like, God, that is all I'm... But God is like, hey, hey, follow me. <laughs> sorry, sorry, your name just came in. But I'm not saying that's you. But I'm just saying God is saying, hey, there is 20 years. He's talking about, he's looking for people to pray things that will happen if Christ tarries for 50 years. He's looking for people that will open portals. That's the word has been in my heart for, for the last couple of days. Portals that will take prophecy and say, Lord, where is the opening in time and in space? And he's saying to this church, I know your labor. I know your works. I know your patience. In fact, I said I was going to make a list. The waiters club. And when you look through scripture, you will find people who would wait on God for things. And they weren't just sitting down in one place waiting. These guys were waiting in faith. So he says to the church in Ephesus, I know your works. One of the things that the church waits for is the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I say this boldly. Um, it is not a popular thing to say anymore that I'm waiting for rapture. I can just imagine putting it on Instagram tomorrow morning. Oh, been a long time. Just waiting for rapture. Hmm. Even church members will hiss. Rapture. <laughs> I have not bought house. Rapture. It's P.I. Because God has blessed him. Now that's why. He has gone abroad. <laughs> I have not gone abroad. I have not bought house. I have not married. So, because I've not married, no sex and rapture. Rapture cannot happen. <laughs> nah, never. I'm not going to heaven as a virgin. No rapture. No, I lie. You, I'm just coming where you are. Just relax. I'm coming where you are. So, there's no way to know. <laughs> Interestingly, those who do not exercise patience try to create their own miracles and blessings. Those who do not exercise patience try to create their own miracles and blessings. Those who do not exercise patience. The Bible says in Ephesians, Hebrews chapter 6 and 12, not to be slothful, but to be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. And so if you are waiting on God for anything as a Christian, you are in the right path. I'm not saying you should be idle. I'm saying if you are waiting for God, on God, for anything, you're doing well. But he says to them, I know your labor, I know your works, and I know your patience. Let me ask the person next to you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for, right? He says, how you cannot bear those who are evil. And thou hast tested them which say they are apostles but are not and has found them to be liars. It's actually very harsh language if you ask me. He says, verse, verse 3, he repeats again more of what he said. And has borne 
and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Has not fainted. Um, he says to these guys, I, I can feel the fact that you retain strength. Ephesus was a, a city that was proud of of their involvement in idolatry. I mean, when you read, their, so the whole economy, when you read through Acts chapter 19, they, at one point in time, they say, look, come, they chat, they, they riot because they say these Christians are trying to spoil our business. It cannot be easy to be a Christian in a place where the economy of the land thrives on the worship of idols. Same way I realized that it's not very easy to be openly Christian in a place and a society where we try to be more and more politically correct as the day goes by. And then he, he I think Jesus just says, well, this is just uh, 100 level because he then goes into verse 4. This is the bot in that letter your girlfriend sends you. He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. You know, when I, so growing up, um, I heard this line a lot. You have forsaken your first love. <laughs> what was in, and I don't mean that as your first girlfriend, so I must stop laughing because <laughs> you're giggling and you're remembering her name. Oh, come on. <laughs> Shame on you. Just focus on the message. The spiritual conversation. I just said, you're forgetting your first. You guys just laughing. Ha, 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 ha. She's married now, Sam. <laughs> All right. Let's focus, guys. <laughs> and then he begins to say to them, remember therefore from whence you have fallen and repent. Do your first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and I will remove the lampstand out of its place. And, you know, for the whole time, I kept on saying, Lord, so what was it that they did? And honestly, I still don't know. What was their first love? Was it? Because on one hand, he said to them, guys, my, you are working, oh. Ah, you are laboring. On the other hand, he said, you are patient. But he says to them that there is something about love that has dislocated so no wonder when Paul begins to write 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he begins to describe a church, a people, that can prophesy but do not have love. He begins to describe people who can give everything they have but not love. He begins to talk about the people who can lead worship but do not have love who can organize a service, usher you into heaven, but do not have love. He says that there is something about growing as a church or as a Christian that sometimes makes you forget the very essence of this, your first love. That before you could prophesy, you were a love being birthed out of love, birthed into love. That before you could do any spiritual gymnastics, before you could pray Japanese tongues or whatever it is that you pray, 
that you were actually called to love. A lot of times, the truth be told, we want to impress other people with what we do as Christians. We really want to be, but it is rare that we want to impress them with love. So when people say, at this church, they don't let me show my potential or they don't appreciate my gift. They're really saying they've not given me public notice. Because you rarely hear them saying, ah, I want to just love people and they're restraining me in this church. No, no, no. It's like they've not given me the pulpit. They didn't let me lead. They didn't let me, they didn't recognize that I have done this and that. But you are actually called to love first. So he says, while I'm hailing you about your labor, Ephesus, while I'm hailing you about your work, while I'm even hailing you about your patience, he says, I'm worried about your love. Help me tell the person next to you, I'm worried about your love. I'm, I'm worried about your love. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about your love. <laughs> you're not your love life, your love. Just, let's just stay on the scripture. Because the way people are giggling, is that's not revelation you're getting. You're saying the one I didn't say. Huh? And then he begins to say to them, look, guys, and this is interesting because remember what I said, God is having conversations with the church. He wants to have a conversation with us. I, I, for some of us, it will be tonight. And, and I'm saying this as your pastor. It will be, you will have a dream and you would have a whole letter. For some of you who would give you clear instructions, I do not know who told you to do this job you are doing. It will tell you. Because there is no other place of safety like the place of God's counsel. The Bible says, blessed is he that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the way of sin or sits in the seat of the scornful. It says you have forgotten your first love. This is the church that Paul prays for. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says that you would know the height, the width, the depth, the length of God's love. All the dimensions of God's love. This is the church that Paul talks to in Ephesians chapter 1 and 15. It says, when ahead of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. <sighs> Works, labor, patience, Oh, by the way, I didn't, I didn't mistakenly leave that part alone. He said they were a testing church. A church that didn't accept everything as true. The fact that it was funky did not mean it was true. The fact that it was apostolic looking did not mean it was true. So he would speak about the Berean Christians in Acts, I think 17. He says that there was some nobility there. He says because they would go back to check if the things that Paul and P.I. said were true. So P.I. said is not the same thing as God said. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it should be. <laughs> but some days I'm annoyed because of what Arsenal has done. You know, I mean, I try my best. I put my best in this. Trust me. But even then I know in part. I cannot teach you all that I know and I definitely cannot even teach you near all you need to know for your own purpose. I can't. But you would go back 
and check and say, ah, no. And the truth is, when it comes to testing apostles, because when you read Paul's conversation with the elders of the Ephesian church in Acts chapter 20, he says, look, once I leave, he says, some wolves are going to show up. And that is why sometimes when we pray, we need to pray against wolves. I'm serious. You need to pray and say, God, there will nobody will come near what you're building in my life to destroy it. You need to. So this is not, because some of us, you know, we're like grace Christians. Oh, we grace Christians. We don't pray all, all those prayers. I'm not saying pray, fall down and die. No, that's not what I'm saying. But Jesus says to Peter, he says, the devil has sought to sift you as we says, but I have prayed for you. He says there was disaster coming and I prayed. So this all, oh, I'm, I just, I believe in grace. I don't pray all this all nonsense. Just old Christians, I pray all that. No, sometimes you have to wake up at night and pray against everything that's trying to institutionalize madness in your life. You have to pray against it. <laughs> you have to pray before they come. Otherwise, you don't spend time fasting unnecessarily. But he says, I know your labor. I, I just, I, I, as I was preparing for this, I said, Lord, would you make us a church that actually labors? A church that doesn't serve you because it's convenient or when it's convenient. As you probably guessed, I've been pastoring now for, I guess, almost nine years. I've seen you in this Lagos. <laughs> it, and it's interesting how we've swung from our parents' generation where they put everything into church without thinking to our generation where we serve God when it is convenient. How dare you as a pastor put a service on Champions League night? So we Bayern Barcelona. They say we should pray. What prayer? Even the church members were texting you, P.I., they're playing, no? <laughs> but I do not, this is even beyond church meetings. This is me saying, what is God asking you to do? And I just realized how that we become this place where we're saying, ah, Christians, we must not burn out. And I, I honestly, I, it's not good to burn out. But I realized on Sunday, Sunday I prepared so. So sometimes, oh God, I'm drifting. But sometimes, I'm so excited about a message that I prepare Sunday's message on Monday, right? So Sunday's message was ready on. I was ready on Sunday night. When we start talking about the early church. But tonight, as we go through the church in Ephesus, we see a people who. <laughs> even if they did not receive the whole gospel initially, were just continuously open. Paul shows up in Ephesians, Acts chapter 19, they receive the Holy Spirit. Paul leaves. And when Jesus is speaking to them a couple of years later, he's saying, my goodness, guys, I can see your labor. The question is, God, can you see our labor? He says, I can see your works. This is not competition. This is the work of God. <laughs> the work of God is a big deal. I, I cannot understand how you describe your purpose, the purpose of your life as a Christian. And it is not, it is not entwined with the work of God on the earth. I can't understand it. He says, I, understand, I see your patience. And then he begins, as we go down, he begins to say, but guy, your love, your, your, your love is, is, your love walk, your first love. I don't know who it is tonight that God is 
He's having conversations with already. So this is how we're going to go. So next week, I think we go to one church that I'm not sure how to spell their name. It's S.M. Smina. Right. Huh. Then we go to Pegamos. And, it's and they're all very different. They're all very different. And for someone, just, just to remind you that God's dealing with another person is not God's dealing with you. That perhaps you should give attention to what God is doing in your life. Perhaps. Because we're so busy. What did the man do? Ha! Mm-mm. He's a pastor. Oof! Rubbish. God is calling Samuel. Sam. God is trying to get your attention. To be honest, it's more, it's easier to see what people are, what's happening in people's lives than your own. That's why we like movies. Distract us. Three hours of fiction. We'll watch part two, part three. But just allowing God show you who you are. Just allowing God have a conversation with you by the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you help us labor and work for you? Lord, would you help us have patience? Lord, would you help us rediscover our first love? And so when you, when you read Acts 18, 19, 20, when you read the book of Ephesus or Ephesians, and when you read this letter in Revelation chapter 2, I hope a picture, and we're going to do this for, you know, for a number of churches, I hope you begin to see God is at work. And like I said, this is not far away. Ephesus is about in somewhere in Turkey. It's not. It's like five hours away by air. The Holy Spirit is coming for you. <laughs> Tell the person next to you the Holy Spirit is coming for you. The Holy Spirit is coming for you. Yeah. In fact, this afternoon I was praying and just saying, God, you know, that at the end of this series about the history of the church, my sole desire is that there will be fire on top of everybody's head. And that and I said I don't. I'm actually tired of trying to talk to people through the choices they are making in their lives. Don't do this. Do this. Don't, no, 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 no. All I want, the Holy Spirit, fire resting upon your life. Then you and the fire discuss. I'm telling you. That, that's exactly because <laughs> then you and the fire can be discussing. Then when you are going into... So some people are saying, hey, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to go there tonight. But I'm serious. I'm serious. So if God was to write you a letter for like what would he say tonight? Chidi, if he was going to write you a letter, what would be the opening lines? Let's pray in the Spirit. Let's pray in the Spirit. Everyone, everyone, if you pray in the Holy Ghost, would you please pray in the Spirit? Is the captain of the host above. I'd like us to just pray in the spirit. Someone, it's time for you to say, Lord, you have my attention. I don't know who you are, but God knows you. For someone, he says, you have been reading someone else's letter. He says, would you please read yours? I feel there is someone who is living in the midst of, you are, you are living in the midst of people who celebrate 
uh, rebellion from God. And God saying, I know your works. You might even be, you have roommates who live a type of life. And God saying, you're not the first who's on it. He says, I know your works. I know your labor. I'd like us to pray in the spirit. I'd like us to pray in the spirit. That Lord, I will not major in minors. Paul will say, he said, do we, do we now try to please men? He says, it is God who we are trying to do this for, and I don't know who you are living for. Would you just take one minute and pray over your life? Would you take one minute and pray over your life? And say, Father, nothing missing, nothing broken. Someone is saying tonight, Lord, let me labor. Uh, it's, it's October, November, December. Lord, I want to labor for you. Show me where I would labor. Someone else is saying, Lord, I would like to work for you. Lord, show me what work to do. Is it here in church? Is it outside church? But Lord, show me what work to do for you. Someone else is saying, Lord, I have been creating my own miracles. I have been creating my own blessings because I have refused to wait for portals to open. And someone else is saying, Lord, help me by the Holy Spirit to develop patience. The fact that I'm waiting doesn't mean I'm out of the will of God. Someone is saying, Lord, where do you want me to make a change? Where do you want me to continue? Where do you want me to stop? God knows your imperfections and he's not, he's not upset with you. Rather, he's saying to you, look, we are doing this together. I am the one who is at work in you, but to will and to do of my good pleasure. Would you let him do a work in your life? Would you let him do a work in your life? God knows how it feels to be small in a big place. The church in Ephesus was a big church, but Ephesus was a big city. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you feel small, but God says, I know. Someone tonight, God is saying, you have forgotten your first love. Let's pray about how our love works. I don't know who you are. I don't know if you are excelling, if you are comfortable with where you are with love. But God says, he says there is something about love that is pivotal. He says if you do not sort out this love issue, he says your church is no longer effective. Lord, would you teach me to love? Lord, would you teach me to love? Lord, would you teach me to love? Would you teach me to love? Would you teach me to love? Would you cause me, Lord God, to be proficient in loving? In the name of the Lord Jesus, would you expand my heart, my capacity, my appetite, yeah, my desire to love? In the name of our Lord Jesus. 
I'll ask prayer tonight would you hold the hand of one person just one person tonight and would you pray for that person Jesus uses the word repentance repentance is not a swear word it's part of the lifestyle of a Christian would you pray for that person that you are holding their hands and declare that grace will produce works in their lives grace will produce works in their lives to the glory of God some other person pray that grace will produce repentance in the name of the Lord Jesus let us stop acting like we have it all together so we can even pretend for men but surely we cannot we must not pretend for God the one before whom we stand so would you pray over their life let grace take over let grace produce labor that when they stand before God there is no shame there is no regret in the name of the Lord Jesus that they will stand before God and they will hear God say well done good and faithful servant that we are not aware of the things that God will say and mark them against or mark them for but we are praying today Lord in the name of Jesus that when our brother stands before you when our sister, when our mother, when our father when they stand before you Lord God Lord let a smile come to your face Lord let adjustments happen in their lives today to that end in the name of our Lord Jesus Lord shake things around, turn things around Lord send them a word cause prophecy to flood their life an atmosphere Lord we thank you let's just worship him tonight let's just worship him tonight have we got a song let's just worship him tonight our father we thank you our father we thank you any song you have is good father
And tonight, God will have me invite someone. I don't know who you are, but you know that you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior tonight. He says, he says you've been fighting it. He says, well, he, he almost dragged you here. Tonight, if you're that person, would you, heads are bowed in worship. Heads are bowed in worship. If you, if you can stand, if you want to come forward, do come forward. But tonight, if there's anyone who wants to say, Jesus, I submit my life to you. I submit my life to you, anyone. So heads are bowed. We're giving you the privacy of the moment. And you want to stand up. You want to raise a hand. You want to come forward. Just, But you know that God has been, you've been wrestling with him for a while. And there's any other person who's, you've, 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 you made the decision before, but you know you've backslid and you've, you've kind of turned away and tonight you would like to rededicate your life. It's also a prayer to join. And it's a simple prayer saying, Heavenly Father, say after me, Heavenly Father, say, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. I declare that I am now born again. I receive forgiveness of my sins because of the blood of Jesus that was shared for me. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me as your son. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me into your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, because I serve you with my life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight um, as a conversation about another church. But Lord, um, we know that you are speaking over us. You're speaking about us and that you would desire to speak with us. And so tonight, Lord, um, I, I declare that we have divine encounters in the coming hours. That as people pray, as people drive, as people worship, people sleep, whatever it is, that Lord, you would meet with us. That Lord, you would write a letter. You would send a word. You would send us scripture. Oh Lord, we declare that our lives are filled. Our lives are filled with the knowledge of your will. That we are not empty. We are not running on another man's race. We, we thank you, our Heavenly Father. We give you all praise. I'd like us to just take that song too much. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.